You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's covering everything about Nick's upcoming season of The Bachelor. Now the man with all your spoilers and behind-the-scenes juice in Bachelor Nation. Here's Reality Steve. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to podcast number seven. I am your host, Reality Steve, and I am a little under the weather, so bear with me a little bit. It was worse uh, Monday and Tuesday. I am recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and we got a good show for you today. We've got our first guest of, we're going to line up first, we're going to have our guest on, then I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that appeared in the tabloids today in Us Weekly and Life and Style, which is kind of embarrassing. And then we're going to end today's podcast with a phone call, a Dr. Reality Steve phone call from one of the listeners. So we'll hear from her. But let's get to our guest this week. We are joined by someone you're all very familiar with in the Bachelor family. You've read her blog. You've read her tweets. You've seen her fashion tips. Her name is Dana Weiss, but you probably know her best by her nickname, the Possessionista. Dana, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. <laughs> well, again, thank you for responding to my email, coming on. What's weird is, and, and it's funny because you and I have never had any interaction until last week, but I feel like both of us have been around this franchise for years, kind of making a name for ourselves, but for completely different reasons. So let me ask you first, do you read the spoilers or no? Okay, I do not read the spoilers because I feel like I would be influenced by who wins and like I would sort of take it easy on them because I know they're going to stick around. Um, and so I don't just to stay objective. But like the minute the show is over, I, you know, the way people like binge watch shows on Netflix, I binge watch, uh, I binge read reality Steve. Oh, okay. So is, is it a season by season decision or? You're one way or the other, and that's and that's the way you're sticking. Like you just don't read spoilers any season, or have you given in I once or twice? I don't read spoilers any season, and okay. then I get mad when one of the magazines steals your spoilers because we know that's what they do, and then I see it on the cover of one of those magazines at the grocery store. But I wait until the season's over, and then I go back and kind of see where you got it right and wrong. Nice. So obviously, you don't follow me too closely, but probably hear stuff there, there, or or tweeted at in regards uh, to stuff that I say. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't follow your stuff because as a guy, for what I do, what these people wear on the show is completely irrelevant to me, but I get it that it is relevant to a certain niche of the audience, and I respect the work that you do, so congratulations uh, for being able well, to accomplishing that. The feeling is mutual. Yeah. Um, now, explain to everyone how Possessionista came to be. When? What season did it start? What gave you the idea to do it? How has it changed over the years, if it even has? Yeah, so a, a little backstory, which I don't know if you even know this, is Trista was my sorority sister. Did not know she that. She was a senior when I was a, yeah, so she was a senior when I was a freshman. And so I remember hearing about this new show, The Bachelor, and Alex Michelle was The Bachelor, and Trista was going to be on it. And, you know, she was a senior when I was a freshman, so I was really, like, looked up to her or whatever. And so when the show was on, I watched it and I was hooked. I was obsessed. So fast forward to, I guess it was Jason Mesnick's season, which was a huge year for you as well. I started a blog 
And one of the things that I started writing about in addition to just like, you know, it was just like a normal lifestyle fashion blog at the time was I was writing about Jillian Harris's clothes. And somebody emailed me and was like, for Jillian season, will you continue to write about our clothes? And I thought, oh, my gosh, there's something here. Nobody is writing about the clothes that people see on reality TV. And I'm watching The Bachelor anyway. And so that's kind of how Possessionista became what it is. And essentially, it is you watching the episode, looking at the outfits, recapping it, it. and then helping people to find the clothes that they see on TV. So like seasons where I had Michelle Money or Emily Maynard, even last season with Amanda Stanton and Lauren um, Bushnell, like these really well-dressed on-trend girls have been really fun to, you know, it's fun to interact with my readers and kind of have have a poke at these girls and you know, make fun of the leads and all that, but also really to find the clothes that they're wearing and, re- you know, and, and sort of replicate their look. And exactly how does it work? Like, are you seriously doing this for fun to where you're really concerned about letting other people know what these people wear? Or when you provide a link to something and someone purchases that, you've got to be getting a cut. Is that how it works or I no? Am. Okay. I am. And I'm really transparent about it. Okay. So there's a couple of, I have a couple of rules though. One is I'm never going to tell you to wear something that I don't think you should wear. So I never covered anything Blakely wore. Like I never will tell you where Britt got her Lucite shoes. Like I never even wrote about, um, um, I'm trying to think who it was recently. Who was the bachelor before Ben? Chris. One pop, was it? Oh, right. During Chris's season, there was almost zero fashion coverage. I only recapped the show because the women were so poorly dressed. So (laughs) to answer your question, yes, I have an affiliate partnership that I'm very transparent with. And if I post a piece of clothing and you click on it and you buy it, I make a small commission. It doesn't change the amount of money that my readers buy, but it won't change their cost. And I always try to find the lowest price but I do make a commission if they buy it. That being said, if there's something really awful, like um, Liz's backless romper on on Monday's episode, I will not tell people where to get it. And I've even gone so far as to have people email me and say, will you tell me where to get X? And I'll just reply, no. (laughs) I assumed that that's the way it worked. And now that I know it for sure, We've seen this has become very popular among the contestants themselves. So now my question to you is twofold. Is it hurting your business when, let's just take a random contestant from this season like Danielle, for instance, the romper that Danielle was wearing on the dinner portion of their date this past Monday night. If Danielle is tweeting or Instagramming that out, where to get it with links and everything, doesn't that affect you? And number two, can a contestant tell you not to do what you're doing because possibly you're infringing on something they wore and they want to promote it and make money off of. This whole thing is kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, number one, yeah, it pisses me off, you know. I'm the first person to ever think, oh, I'm going to write about The Bachelor clothes and, you know, with subsequent seasons, every single one of these Bachelorettes now has a fashion blog and a built-in following. Yeah. I mean, that being said, number one, no, they can't tell me to stop infringing because it's, you know, in the public, in the public view or whatever, but they don't have to tell me where they got the clothes. Four seasons ago, they were all clamoring to come talk to me because 
that was their exposure. And now they've gotten smart enough to know they can do it on their own. But I don't have any hard feelings. I, I knew that ultimately people would catch on to what I was doing. And I take it as a compliment that people are replicating what I'm doing, you know? So, and I, and I think also we can all exist in the same, the internet's really, really big. You know what I mean? Like we can all have a space like Lauren Bushnell is a great example of somebody who does her own fashion, but has always been really generous telling me where she got stuff. Ali Fedotowski is another one. Emily is another one. They both have, or they all three have fashion blogs, but they're also really generous with that information. And we all benefit from it. So using Danielle as an example from Monday night, if you have that on your blog about here's how you get a romper, I, I think I saw that same exact thing on Allie's blog and maybe Emily did it. So if all three of you say, here's how you get it. So it's just a competition of who has more followers and who's going to make more money because of they were you the ones it. that provided the you link. Wow. That's interesting. Totally. To me. It really is. Totally. That is so crazy. Guess who loses? Guess who loses? You. <laughs> yeah, totally. But you know what? I have an awesome following. I have awesome readers. And that, I mean, that's it. This is the internet, right? Like we all are just trying to find our space in it. I can't begrudge them for wanting to make money off of the clothes they bought, the clothes they wore. They're the ones that put themselves out there. So, you know. Well, I mean, I, I almost feel, I, I feel kind of bad, but I also feel like no, you're a pioneer. No, no. You're a pioneer because you yeah, started it and now yeah. they're all copying you. So good for you. I know, but that's what happens to you. But that's what happens to you too. I mean, you were the first person out there writing spoilers, and now everyone's taking them to you, taking them from you. And what can you do, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, all I ask for is credit. But most of the tabloids don't want to credit me, and I and I get why they don't because if every single one of their stories says, well, first reported by Reality Steve, then their credibility is shot. That's why they don't say. Sure. That's why they never give me credit. But. It is what it is at this point. I know I know where people are going for their Bachelor spoilers, and it's to my site and not to Us Weekly or Life and Style or In Touch. It's just I've of been doing course. this, you know, it's seven years now I've been doing this, and I pretty good track record. But I think a lot of people are curious uh, about this, and I get asked this all the time, and that is how does one make money off this, more so the contestants? Now, without divulging any set figures – you might know. Can you at least reveal kind of what it's based off of? Because I've heard it's not necessarily your followers, but also the amount of likes, retweets, comments you get because bots can get involved and stuff like that. But I get asked all the time, how are these people making money off promoting a, a making an Instagram post with flat tummy tea or gummy hair or teeth whitening? What do you know about that? Right. So, un right. so unlike my blog or their blog, we're, we're making money based on clicks and purchases. Yeah. You are usually, you, by you I mean, a contestant is approached by a brand and they say, would you do a sponsored post? And usually there's set ad rates. So they'll say, you know, we want three posts featuring our product, featuring a picture and we will pay you 500, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, depending on the scope of the project, depending on how many followers you have. And there is an algorithm that shows likes and comments and interactions. And, you know, it's sort of a race by all these influencers. The technology is really smart. And so now you can buy followers. Yeah. And you can buy followers from like a follower farm and the, they, they include, you know, putting fake comments and fake likes. And so it's just this sort of back and forth balance. And I think that's probably one of the reason why um, these brands 
you know, and, and we all know the brands we're talking about, right? There's four or five different products that the Vanderpump Rules kids are promoting, the Rich Kids of Beverly Hills, the Bachelor kids. They're they're all, listen to me, I'm such an old lady, I'm calling this kids. <laughs> um, th- that they all know that probably most of their following is legitimate. I don't think it's unusual for a Bachelor contestant to have, you know, the upwards of a million followers because Instagram is such a popular social medium within that, that, um, you know, within that age group, like these, they're not targeting 40 year old stay at home moms. They're not targeting my peers. They're not targeting your peers. They're targeting 20 somethings, you know, who are working and have disposable income. And so I think that's from the brand perspective, they're really smart because they're targeting people that they know have a verified following and 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 an active following. You know, Bachelor Nation people are really really passionate. They're the first ones to leave a comment and read your Instagram, and I think that they really do have proven results. If you see JoJo using a curling iron, she's got that amazing hair. I think a lot of Bachelor followers do buy the curling iron. Absolutely. Have you heard of the ten percent factor? I've heard that this, I've heard this that uh, anytime someone makes a post, if they don't get ten percent of a return reaction to it, it's basically not worth it to that company or not going to make the money. Like if you have five hundred thousand followers and you tweet out a photo and you don't get at least fifty thousand likes, then your five hundred thousand followers doesn't really mean much. Have you heard that one? Um, I haven't heard that particular one, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's why these brands probably don't come back sometimes. I mean, I guess I would look, if you really want to know how successful somebody is, I would see if brands have repeat posts. You know, that's a really good way. If they have hair supplement gummy bears once and never again, they probably didn't get that return. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. I mean, that I sense? yeah, so that's what I've heard. It works, then they're going to keep going. Because of the buying followers and the bots out there, yeah, if you have a million followers and you post something and you get 2,000 likes on it, well, then obviously it, a million people are following you and only 2,000 people respond, you probably have a lot of bot followers. That's why I think, yeah, it looks like to be this 10% factor seems to be kind of the rough. It's not a hard number, but... You know, like I said, a million followers and two thousand or five thousand likes on a picture—that's not enough of a return right, for a, somebody because it's just I like no way. That's a that's a, pe- that's a pebble in the ocean. You yeah, know? exactly. And I think that you, there are for those of you at home who are like, you know, creepers like me. There are things that you can plug somebody's Instagram account in, and it will show you just how many fake followers they have, how many bot followers, how many inactive followers they have. So those numbers are definitely inflated. And I've never understood that. I mean, I've never been, I don't even know how to purchase stuff like that. I'm not a real big Instagram guy. I remember having this conversation with somebody recently in 2016, I think I posted nine pictures and it's usually mostly on my niece and nephew. So I've never been one to, I've never been one to get into stuff like that. Uh, my Twitter accounts are all just, they grow every season just because more people are finding out and more people start following me as I, you know, live tweet the show on Monday nights. But I don't think I'm ever going to get into product endorsement because as a guy, I think it's a lot tougher for these women. I mean, it's a cash cow, but I don't see, I mean, yeah, you'll see the teeth whitening from a Tanner or uh, even a Luke or something like that. You'll see it from uh, guys that lasted later on in the season. But I think this is more, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is more of a female 
based business, correct? I think so. I don't know that they're a male. Well, now I'm going to sound like a sexist, so I apologize. But like, who's using Instagram, right? Like, are most men using Instagram or is it mostly women who are using Instagram? I think it's 20 something, you know, teens and 20 something women who are using Instagram. So it makes sense that the products that they're selling are Instagram. I mean, that being said, is fame a, is fame a sprint or is fame a marathon? I mean, I wonder if these bachelor contestants are kind of burning out their 15 minutes by selling anything that somebody offers to sponsor them because they're worried that in 2018, no one's going to remember who they are or are they working on carefully curating their brands for a long-term you know, project or a long-term goal? Do they want this sort of lasting fame? Or is this just like, let's, as you said, is it a cash cow? Are they just looking to get as much money as quickly as they can before everybody forgets who they are? I think it's more of a strike while the iron is hot thing. I can't imagine any of these people, and I mean any single one of them, no matter who you think is a smart business person in this franchise, is thinking long-term about something like this. Because it's just not going to be there long-term, three, five years down the road. agree with you. I think when you and I started, so let's say, let's not even say when you and I started, let's say in 2009, when you had a huge year, and that was the first year that I started blogging about The Bachelor. These people were not considered celebrities. Yeah, no, not really. Not because there was no social media. So yeah, no. Right. But I don't think Molly and Jason could walk into a restaurant and people would fawn over them. I don't think that at that point, they were celebrities. I think now it's 2017. There are agents looking at these people, seeing opportunities, helping them to build brands and helping them to build businesses. And so I do think that if somebody were savvy enough and they were partnered with the right people, they could create a lasting brand. And I'm thinking about somebody like an Ali Fedotowski who's had really smart partnerships who hasn't sold herself out for every single sponsored post who has managed to sort of balance life and fa- you know work and family has a successful blog you know another one is Jillian Jillian who managed to take that and turn it into a TV show within her wheelhouse doing design i think that there are opportunities if you make smart decisions I think I think what I was referring to, I, I get what you're saying, and I, Allie has done well for herself, so has Jillian. It looks like Emily has done well for herself with a book and her fashion blog. I guess I was just talking about the ones that just hawk bachelor wine yoga pants, uh, those selling t-shirts like that, and, and the Johnny-come-latelys well, of recent yeah. seasons. Those seem to me like... Yeah. I think you and I, right, I think we're saying the same thing. If you do not look at it like a marathon, if you are willing to sell anything for a buck, then no, you don't have long-term longevity. But if you use this platform and make smart decisions and surround yourself with smart people, there is a way to take your turn on The Bachelor and turn it into something more long-term. I agree. And I think that we could talk about this particular topic for, yeah, forever, a couple hours. But I think uh, a lot of people are interested in the whole Nick situation. Okay, so Nick okay, is Nick is yeah. Nick. Let's talk about Nick for a little bit. Um, let's talk about Nick. You are friends with Nick. Um, I am. I but even before I was friends with Nick, I was an unapologetic Nick supporter. I loved Nick on Andy season. 
I have always felt like Nick was the right person for Andy. I did not think that Josh was the right person for Andy. I did not think Nick was right for Caitlin, but I still loved him. And during Caitlin's season, Nick still lived in Chicago, and I got to know him, and I've gotten to know him pretty well. Okay, so you have a relationship with him. I'm sure you know by now that I have been a pretty strong critic of Nick over the years. Uh, I've reported some things. I have been given access to things, notably the plane video coming back from the Dominican Republic where he spoiled his own yeah, season. Yeah, that was a great find, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, awesome. it's something that um, I look back on now, and I, I said it at the time, and I, I, you know, you never know what's coming in the future, but I don't think I'll ever get another spoiler like that because of the way it came to me, uh, because of the fact that we're sitting here, and it was literally, I was on my couch one day, and I get a text message from a girl who I had kind of seen five years earlier and who still had my number in her phone and randomly happened to be sitting behind Nick on a plane. Because trust me, if I was following plane flights of this show and I had the show itinerary, I'd be getting this stuff seasonally. But that's the one time I had it and it was a luck. It wasn't like I sent somebody on that flight because I heard Nick was on it. It was so random luck and I don't think it'll ever be topped. But in what I was saying, obviously I've been critical of Nick. I've I've heard some things about him. I've actually seen some things with my own two eyes that uh, have, without a doubt, formulated uh, the opinion I have of the guy. But playing devil's advocate, I don't hate the guy. And I never have hated the guy. And I think that's where something gets lost in translation with my readers and followers. Because if you're a Nick supporter, I'm not saying you in particular, I'm just talking about no, people I who are fans of Nick. Supporter. Well, no, I, no, I know that you are, but I'm not saying that you are the one that I'm talking about in this situation. But oh, immediately sometimes when I say something negative about Nick, it's, oh my God, he can't lay off Nick. He hates him so much. It's like, I've never talked to Nick in my life. I've never had any interaction with Nick in my life. I don't hate the guy. I don't know him. I'm just the middleman. I'm reporting information that I know to be true. If it happens to be negative about Nick, that's not my fault. Don't get mad at me and say, I, I hate the guy because I don't. But you being his friend, what's your take on the whole situation? Well, I think you're in a tough position. I, I'm in a little bit of an easier position in what I do on Possessionista because I'm only commenting on the things that I see on TV. You get to delve a lot deeper and you get information that happens off of the TV. And so you're kind of reporting the facts. And the thing I love about Bachelor Nation is we are such a passionate people. You know, we love and support our bachelors and bachelorettes so emphatically that when somebody says something negative about them, we, we pounce to their defense. So yeah. I'm just going to go right on record and say Reality Steve does not hate Nick. He doesn't know Nick, but I do know Nick. And he's a good guy. I mean, he's really been, he's not perfect. I mean, he's not a saint. He gave Corinne the rose. And what was that about? But <laughs> he's a good guy. He's been a really good friend to me. And, you know, the people who know him love him. And I guess I would just say, like, anybody who comes to you with negative information about Nick, I, I would just be a little skeptical. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they have an ax to grind. Like, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm Nick's friend, and then proceeds to, like, tell you a lot of like bad stuff about him i would just be a little skeptical about their agenda you, you couldn't possibly be talking to podcast number four guest abby draper would you 
Is it, there's no way that you were possibly referencing her when you say that, were you? <laughs> yeah, I am. And I, I really, I, this is a, this is a long story that I really don't want to get into, yeah. except to say that I know Nick hasn't had any contact with Abby in over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I know that Nick did not tell Abby before the show that he was the bachelor. It didn't happen. Nick told his own parents the morning of, and again, I mean, I think people really get invested, get invested in this show. And I think sometimes to the point where they forget that it's not real. It's not real that your relationship with the person that you see on the TV is not real. I introduced Nick to Abby. They had brunch once. They saw each other at a couple filmings. And once we all went out in Chicago and that was the extent of it. They don't talk anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I guess that's really all I wanted to say in regards to that situation. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sit here and, you know, talk about Abby too much because it's not like Abby was someone I approached and said, Hey, will you come on my show? Um, I don't know if you know how this came about, but basically I had done three podcasts where it was just me talking the whole time and I wanted to try something different. And I put it out there on Twitter and in my column, like, Hey, if you want to be a caller on, on my next podcast, contact me and give me the topics that you want to talk about. Cause I want it more of a back and forth. I didn't want you to say like, Hey Steve, um, who do you think Nick is going to like most this season? And then just <laughs> hang up and let me talk for five minutes. It was, I wanted someone who had a back and forth. Well, Abby emailed me. I had never heard of this girl before two days before we recorded the phone call. Um, and it's not like, I mean, yeah, she had some interesting stuff to say. It's not like I took everything she said as a hundred percent face value. It was, interesting. It was salacious. Um, I knew that there was probably some of it that was exaggerated, but I don't think I ever promoted it as something to where, hey, everybody, this is absolutely 1000% the truth. I didn't know Abby before I talked to her. And she said all these things. And I don't know if you listened to the interview, but there, there was even a question I asked in there where I said, why is he telling you, um, you know, who he slept with? Or why is he telling you this? And someone that he considered his friend. It was just, there was, there was questions that I definitely had and I kind of just left it as this was a caller to my show. And it's almost like you can believe her or not. I'm not sitting here and saying everything she said was true, but some of the stuff that she did say I had heard variations of before in the past. So I didn't think she was necessarily lying, but I do think that (laughs) she did exaggerate some things for sure. Um, I think, and I think that's a fair assessment. I think a lot of the stuff that was spoken about came straight from your blog, to be honest. I mean, that she basically parroted what I, I said. I mean, that's sort of that what I got. Other than the the story about her and Nick going out after Paradise and him calling her to say that he was the Bachelor, it just it didn't happen. Nick hasn't spoken to her in a year and a half. I know this because I spoke to Nick personally about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just. I don't know what somebody's agenda would be to say that they were someone's friend and then go on and say bad stuff about them. Like I am Nick's friend. I've gotten to know him really well. And I'll tell you, he's a good friend. He's a good guy. You know, is he perfect? Absolutely not. But I watch that show and I see a lot of my friend on it. So I think he's there for the right reasons. I think. Oh my God. Did you just just say the right reasons on this show? Oh Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That was horrifying. (laughs) That was horrifying. But I think he had an open mind. I think he saw a great opportunity. 
I think he moved to L.A. for an opportunity. I think he had an opportunity to go on The Bachelor. And if he finds love, he went in with an open mind. I mean, would you say that's a fair assessment? I, I, I want to say it could be um, my impression and the things that I've heard. And this is where I, this is where I find this conversation to be fascinating between you and I because you are Nick's friend. So you are on a side of somebody that knows him of somebody that has talked to him. But Nick, I know, is one of these people that is very well aware of who he can go to in the media to portray a certain image. I know he's done it. But let me tell you, Nick and I had a conversation when he got home from the show. I said, how was it? He said, fine, and that's all I want to say about it. We have not discussed the show. Mm-hmm. Not once. I have no idea, except for I did Google him and saw a headline that tells me who he wa- who he chooses. But other than that, I don't know what happens on the show any more than anybody else watching it. You know more than I do. That I don't doubt. Um, my thinking more along the lines of where you and I may beg to differ on Nick is the perception that he has of the criticism that he receives. And I think that Nick takes it a little too far. And I think that Nick has a problem uh, when he receives negative criticism and to refute that negative criticism, he will go to certain outlets and make sure that they write nice things about him. And that's what I have a problem with, because I don't think that he needs to be doing that because you signed up to do this. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have all the perks that come with being on this show for a fourth time, that come with being The Bachelor, but then complain when somebody says something bad about you. It's just, you can't have it. I agree with that. I do. I think that when you go on this show, whether you're the lead or whether you're a contestant, you you cannot have it both ways. You can't say, you don't know me as a person, and then also say, but trust me and buy what I'm, what I'm pushing on Instagram. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think that you do have to be open to the fact that people are going to criticize you. They're going to see what you do on TV. They're going to hear about what you did in the tabloids, and they're going to make a judgment about you. That is the reality. But we're all humans. I mean, if somebody, I'm sure you have a huge following, Steve, and somebody after this podcast is going to be like, oh, I hate Dana's voice. And I'm going to be like, oh my God, that was so mean. You know, they're entitled to their opinion, but it doesn't mean it doesn't still sting, especially coming from somebody like you, somebody with a huge platform. You know, the criticism falls a little bit harder. And I understand that. I understand he's going to get criticism, and I understand that I have a big voice in this franchise. And when I say something, it might hold a little more weight than somebody who 500 comments into an Instagram post says something that's never seen by anybody, you know, outside of the people that commented around that person. I get that part. I think my problem with Nick is him trying to control his own narrative. And I think that he needs to back away from that and he needs to stop. I don't even want to go so far as to say bullying people, but I do think he needs to accept the fact that no matter what he does, and you and I both know this, nobody is, you know, this is a really fair criticism. I think you're exactly right. I think that you have to let it go and let people make, a judgment about you that they're going to make. Um, you, not everyone's going to like you. And yes. Especially if you're in the public eye. We know that nobody on this planet 
is universally liked. And especially if you're on a reality dating show, you're automatically going to be hated by probably half the people that watch the show. And now that this is your fourth turnaround, people who don't watch it. Yeah. And now that people know this is your fourth turnaround and half the people of those half don't think that you even deserved to be the bachelor. Like the criticism is coming and it's one of these things where I look at it as I'm just a middleman. I report stuff that I hear that I know to be true. I'm not throwing rumors around about him. And a perfect example uh, this season was where I could have easily reported something that nobody would know one way or another. And that's in the season preview where they show Corinne saying, I'm going to go to Nick's room and have sex with him. I could have easily reported they had sex. And I'll say, but the show's never going to show it. But I'm telling you right now, Nick and Corinne had sex on the show. But what did I do? I reported what I knew. And what I know is Nick didn't have sex with her when she goes to his room that night, and it never happened. So I am going to look out. I am going to report the truth. It's just that when the truth happens to be against somebody that you like, it, it doesn't make me the bad guy. It just makes me the middleman. No. And that's, when, and that's where I think people have a problem. Something like that. Well, and I don't, well, then I say to everybody who has a problem, Nick and Corinne didn't have sex, and you heard it first from Reality yeah. Steve. I mean, I think that what we appreciate about you is that you do report the truth. So I think when you have a situation like last week's podcast where there was blatant lies being spread, you know, that part as his friend was hard to swallow. You know, I, I don't have, as a supporter of Nick, and I think everybody who supports Nick will have my back here, we know he's not perfect. People who know him know he's not perfect. But we hear somebody with an axe to grind coming on the air and spreading stories which are not true. It just makes us go, huh? I want to, you know, I want to defend my friend Ben. Yeah, and I have no, and I have no problem with with you coming on and saying that. And it's basically up to the listener of who they believe. Do they want to believe Abby Draper, somebody you that believe me? Yeah, exactly. Or or believe Let's take a vote. Can we do a poll? <laughs> Who do you believe? <laughs> or believe Dana, who's his friend and who has spoken to him since filming. And it's just like, I'm going to leave it out there to the listener because um, as as his friend, I expect you to defend him. And as what Abby says, it's what Abby says and people can take it for what it is. Um, it is what it is. It's one of my favorite phrases, but sometimes that's the way things go. You just kind of have to take it for what it is. I don't know if Abby 100%, 1,000% is lying. Um, I do think some of the stuff that she said, like you said, might've come from my site, but it's stuff that I hadn't not heard before. So I was okay. I was like, okay, well, sounds like something I've heard about Nick. So, and kind of let her speak and never really promoted it one way or other, other than, Hey, this is a caller and this is what she had to say. She has experience with Nick. You know, here's her Instagram. She actually can back up the fact that she did see him. Here are pictures of her with him. And, the FaceTime, and then that turned into she's a super crazy stalker fan. So, you know, don't you think that's weird? Do you, when you FaceTime with your friends, do you take screenshots of them? Because I never do. I've done it once. Um, I've never posted it, but I did it once. Uh, it's actually with somebody from this franchise, but they know about it. So, um, right. well, I did. And here's I did it as a joke. So. This is, let me just ask you one other question, and then I really do not want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Don't you think? If Nick had been named The Bachelor, you would have known first. No, honestly, I don't because I haven't been I haven't been great about uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette leads being named in recent seasons. Sometimes 
I had it nailed. I had I had Andy nailed early, and I had Chris Souls nailed early. But ever since then, Ben Higgins, no. JoJo, no. I thought it was going to be Kayla. I think most people did because she was seen filming oh, filming God in Ohio. Kayla. Um, but no, I honestly no <laughs> on, on the on the Bachelor and Bachelorette leads, and I thought it was going to be Luke. So I haven't been I haven't had the greatest track record with those. So no, I don't I don't think I would have heard um, it was Nick. To be honest with you. I, I didn't know. I didn't know until he walked out calls. on stage. I didn't know until he walked out on stage that Me night during either. Paradise. Wasn't that a crazy surprise? I love a surprise. Yeah. No. It was. Um, well, you hate a surprise. <laughs> that's, that's bad for your yeah. business. A surprise like that. Like, I mean, if I'm wrong about the lead. That's not as big to me on my track record. Obviously, I'd like to report what's right. But now that they've changed it up at the last second for two seasons in a row, going from Kayla to JoJo and then Luke to Nick, um, I think that there is really no reason to ever come out anymore, for me at least, and say this is who is going to be the next Bachelorette or Bachelor. Because I know now that they can change their mind at the last minute. So. I'm just going to put it out there. Um, as I've written this season, I don't know if you haven't read it. So um, in terms of The Bachelorette, what we do know is they've had 12 seasons of The Bachelorette. All 12 of those girls finished in the top four of The Bachelor season that it's were, they were Rachel, on. It's going to be Rachel, right? It's pro- I mean, Rachel? she's. It, it certainly looks like she's a strong candidate. But to say it's going to be her, it's a kind of a monumental thing in this franchise because for 33 seasons, they've cast white people. So are they finally ready to pull the trigger? I don't know. I mean, we won't know until... I'd like to get to know her more, but I really like her. She's a front runner for me. Oh, absolutely. She's a front runner. And we know, you know, I don't know if you know the spoiler. I don't think it's a big spoiler here, but she finishes top four. So um, it's she's obviously a candidate. And then the other girls who are in the top four are candidates because for 12 consecutive seasons, they've chosen The Bachelorette who finished in a top four of their bachelor season. So I don't think right. it's that big of a deal. Um, are they going to go outside and finally change that up? We won't know, but um, I think Rachel has as good a shot as anybody. Sure. I mean, there's, I don't think there's really going out on a limb saying something like that, but um, in terms of Nick's episode, uh, let's, let's just run through this. You know what? We talked so much good stuff here. Uh, let's just get to the rapid 10. I don't even care about the episode on Tuesday. It was it, or Monday. It was really a boring one, don't you think? Well, except that I am obsessed with Corinne. I know this is going to make people hate me, but I love a bad girl, and I love Corinne. I hope she makes it all the way to the end because I think she's really fun to watch. That's probably not the most popular opinion, but hey. Some people like unlike some him, people like their I villains. Need everybody to like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some people some people like their villains. But in terms of what Corinne did, it's it's what she did on the show on Monday is standard. We see this every season. We've seen it with a Tierra. We've seen it with a Kelsey. We've seen it with a Michelle Money. We saw it with an Olivia Caridi. Where they just the the edit will focus on you're the things that they my, do. You're naming all my favorites. Yeah, okay, you're yeah. mentioning all my favorites, by the way. Yeah, and it's just this is what Olivia, what Corinne is doing is nothing new. Maybe she took it a step further because she openly took her top off, but she's all. But what she, the main point of her character is the fact that she is garnering a ton of attention from the other girls and a ton of side eye from the other girls because she's getting Nick's attention. Yeah, but it's a smart strategy because if they're focusing on her, they're not focusing on the game. 
you know? Yeah. She's sort of gaslighting them all. I, I don't think it's a bad strategy, especially if you have the confidence and don't care what people think about you, which we know from Instagram, she doesn't care. <laughs> Jealous haters. Yeah, of so, course. She, do, she don't um, care with a picture of a donut. She don't yeah. care. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be interested to see how it all plays out. I was going to ask you what you thought of the whole Liz situation, but honestly, I've got so much tired head over this. I'm just, I'm so over it. It's, she's off the show. There's no point anymore. I've made, I've given my opinion on the whole situation. Yeah, go ahead. How the show works better than me. Is there any chance that it was all fake? Like, I mean, I know he probably did meet her at Jaden Tanner's wedding, as she mentioned three other times, but is there any chance like production approached her and was like, will you come on just to like throw him off? Well, actually, we got the answer to this question yesterday, assuming Jade is telling the truth. Jade went on Juliet Littman's podcast yesterday, and Juliet straight up asked her, how did Liz get on the show? And Jade said, I sent her tape in once Nick was announced as The Bachelor. She goes, we only had a couple weeks. She was pushed through uh, rather quickly, but she said, I had always encouraged Liz to go on the show because of the experience that I had. I ended up getting married from it, and this is my best friend, my maid of honor. Once Nick was announced... They put together a tape from Liz and Jade sent it to a producer. So did she send it through the ABC website and do all that? No. She kind of got pushed through the process. But when Jade comes to the producers and says, hey, the girl that is my maid of honor hooked up at my wedding, that hooked right? up at my wedding wants to be on Nick's season. Of course, that was a given she was going to go on the show. But I didn't know until yesterday, until I heard that interview that um, because people had asked me, do you think Liz did it on her own? And I said, honestly, I don't know. But we did get the answer that uh, she applied and put everything together once Nick was announced because she wanted to see what was there. And, you know, like I said, we could go on and on for days about the Liz situation. I'm you know what I wish, though? Yeah, but you know what I wish? I wish after she had given that speech, she had left. Wouldn't that have been, like, the most epic exit ever? That would have been a hell of a mic drop, I tell you. Sure. Right? Like, she would have left with, like, dignity and, like, confidence and just, like, self-awareness. It was absolutely cringy that she stayed yeah it was it was not i think and 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 as much of a friend as jade is to liz she did say on the podcast that liz could have said things better she goes i think i knew what liz was trying to do and trying to say but she didn't come across very well and the more she opened her mouth the The more she she kept digging a hole for herself pretty much is what it came to and she goes i I'm glad it's over now. Liz is like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not thrilled with the way I'm being portrayed on TV, but it's over. I'm moving on, and we should all move on. If she was only on two episodes, yeah. if she got to the yeah. end, it would be a much bigger deal. But it's like, okay, she's totally. two episode girl. Who cares? So, let's get to America's favorite game show, which is sweeping the nation, even though it's only been played once, and that is Rapid Ten. <laughs> and I'm going to just rattle off some questions, uh, ten questions for you, and kind of. Just give me a rapid fire answer. You can go into some sort of detail if you want, but these are pretty straightforward questions that could require one word answers, could require a couple sentences. But here we go. Question number one Name a contestant from this show you offended the most that you heard from. Oh, um, Charlene Joint. Interesting. Did have you mended fences with Charlene? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. We're okay. Good. But, at the ta- like. but at the time, you I did. Said- I said her kiss with um, Juan Pablo was the most awkward kiss in the history of television. And she stopped speaking to me after that for a long time. 
I don't even remember. But it, it like, still was. I, st- I stand by it. It was really, really awkward. I don't even remember it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, question number two. Off the top of your head, one female from this show with a poor fashion sense. Just awful. God, there are so many. Um, Looks like we're gonna have to go Blakely. to uh, Chris's season because you said they didn't. You didn't even do the fashion on that season. Oh yeah, but Blakely, Blakely was really bad. Oh Blakely, okay. There's a name from the past. She's now married yeah. with child. Did you I know think that? That's right. Yeah. See, everybody, everybody finds love eventually. Question number three, <laughs> not bachelor related. Your candy guilty pleasure. Swedish fish. What the hell is that? Swedish fish? Swedish fish? What is that? How do you not know it's sweet? I'm going to send you Swedish fish. How do you not know it's Swedish I've never, fish? I've never even heard of it, let alone know what it tastes like. What? Like the red gummy fish? Oh, they're called Swedish fish? I, I didn't, I guess I just yeah. didn't know the name. I, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you were so quick yeah, to say Swedish fish. You, I was, ex- yeah, I was I'm really passionate about my candy. But yeah. I guess, I guess when I say candy guilty pleasure, I'm expecting like, oh, peanut M&M's or Mike and Ike's or hot tamales, something like that. But when Swedish fish comes Swedish out of somebody's fish. mouth, no idea. Okay. All right. Let's play a game of fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Three guys from the Bachelor franchise. Juan Pablo, Chris Bukowski, Kalen McMahon. Oh, I just want to kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Juan Pablo... No, this is not even a fair one. Who is the third? Oh, okay. I'll kill Kalen because I think he looks like a serial killer. Um, I'll fuck Juan Pablo and I'll marry Chris Bukowski. Because of the Chicago ties? Is that why Chris Bukowski? Totally. Okay. Totally. He's always been nice to me. He's been nice to me. Juan Pablo yelled at me on Twitter. <sighs> Gosh. That guy's a piece of <laughs> In work. In all caps. In all caps. Oh, my God. Know? And probably misspelled, too. Um... I- yeah. <laughs> Question number five. Your weirdest hobby or habit? You can choose either one. My weirdest hobby or habit. Oh, I really love watching like movies about serial killers, true crime. Okay. That's not, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Question number six. You could choose one Bachelor season to go on. Whose would it be? Nick doesn't count. Andrew Firestone. Andrew, interesting. I love him. He's my favorite bachelor of all time. Did you know that his wife was in Wedding Crashers? No, but she's a model, so I yeah. didn't have a chance. She went topless, and she was one of the topless girls in Wedding Crashers. That's what I, Good for yeah, her. Yeah. Good for her. Question Maybe number... Corinne came topless in Wedding Crashers, too. Yeah, exactly. Which apparently is going to be made, according to Vince Vaughn. It so, is? Yeah, he uh, he said something to... I, it was Isla Fisher was out promoting... She was on GMA promoting her m- recent movie, and they asked her, and she said, oh, I ran into Vince at a recent party, and he mentioned to me that Wedding Crashers 2 is a go. So Isla Fisher said that. So I'm taking it for her. I'm taking her word for it. Uh, question me number too. seven. Your husband gives you a hall pass. One girl and one guy from the franchise you'd use it on. Not saying that you would, obviously, but hypothetically speaking. Okay. Um, one girl. Well, one, my one guy is J.P. Rosenbaum. He's my favorite. Everybody knows that. I'm obsessed with him. I love him. Okay. Um, and one girl. That's a hard one. I forget. There's so many of them. You got to have, so have a girl crushing. You got to have a girl crush on this franchise. I don't know. Maybe Andy. Really? Andy Dorfman, huh? 
Yeah, I like Andy. Okay. Question number eight. Classify yourself in high school. Nerd, jock, cheerleader, prom queen, artsy girl, goth chick, something else. Were you none of those? I was a nice girl. I was a nice girl. The nice girl? Yeah, I was like a nice girl. (laughs) Okay, question number nine. Your biggest marriage pet peeve? That's when my husband wants to talk to me. When he <laughs> just when he wants to talk to you, that's it. Just yeah, just like in general, I want to talk. You don't want to make small talk. Small talk as a couple. No. That's your biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Okay. And finally, question number ten: Your most embarrassing moment. I my entire life is like an embarrassing moment. If you knew me, you would know. I'm this like clumsy mess of a person. Um. One like real, I don't even have, I can't even think, this is really a lot of pressure. <laughs> I would do terrible on, I would do terrible on live TV. <laughs> the most embarrassing moment. I don't know, the other day, I mean, this isn't the most embarrassing, but I saw somebody from the gym and I'm like, oh my God, hi. And I was, and it totally wasn't her. It was a complete stranger. I was so excited to see her and she was looking at me like I was insane. Okay, that'll do. That's fine. I and mean, it's not great. I know. this. It's not great. If I was listening to this, I'd be like, that was not a great answer. <laughs> I'm not put under pressure. It's okay. I would never be on The Bachelor. So I would never be on The Bachelor. It's okay. Would you, you could ever be on The Bachelor? No. No. Well, first off, I mean, they know who I am. They would never ask. I'm out of their age range. I would never do it. Okay. Let's pretend like there no. was like a time warp and the, we fell through a black hole and it's 2006. And nobody knows who either of us are. Do you go on The Bachelor? Actually, you know what? Actually, you know what? I don't know if I've ever said this. I might have said it back in 2003 or 2004 when it happened. Um, someone nominated me for Jen Chef's season, and I did get a call. This is I was writing about the show at the time, but I was nominated for Jen Chef's season by, I think, one of my readers. And they did contact me, and they said, can you come to L.A. at this time for an interview? And I was working at the time, couldn't get off work, and that was the end of that. So yeah, that's, that that's did too happen. Bad. Your whole, that was like your sliding doors moment. Jen Sheft was awesome. Your whole life could be different right now. Do you realize that? It could have been if I got cast. Yeah, it would be totally different because there would be no reality Steve after that because I'd technically be under this lifetime contract of sorts where I just don't think reality Steve would have gone in the direction it did if I happened to end up on Jen Chef's season. Right, they probably would have looked down upon you spoiling the show after you We're got on married. It. To exactly from it, yeah, yeah. So, so see, everything happens for a reason. It does, <laughs> and us coming together on this podcast certainly happened for a reason. Dana, I appreciate it so much that you came on. I'm definitely going to have you on again. I know I said that to Abby Draper, but probably that's never happening again. Anyway, um, you you can check her out at possessionista.com, at possessionista on Twitter, possessionista on Instagram. Dana, I really appreciate you coming on for podcast number seven, and we will do it again in the future. Thanks. Thanks to Dana for that. I really think that uh, that was one of my favorite conversations ever. And I invite differing opinions. I don't want any guests that I have on to totally agree with everything that I say. I mean, if they do, great. But I knew that Dana was friends with Nick. Uh, I just found this out. I, I mean, I knew that she's from Chicago and whatnot, but um, she had told me in an email that uh, she was friends with Nick and had some things that she wanted to say, and I was all for it. I mean, 
like I said on the podcast, just because I report stuff I know to be true that happens to not put Nick in a great light doesn't mean I hate the guy because I don't. I think he's a good bachelor. I think he's doing good. I think he's one of the most honest bachelors we have. He does speak his mind. I appreciate that. But there is some stuff about him that drives me nuts, and I'm going to report it. So I really appreciated that back and forth with Dana. That was very cool, and we're definitely going to have her on again at some point later on in the season. Plus, the stuff about the Instagram and making money and the contestants, like I, that stuff was really, really interesting to me because you guys have all asked it numerous times about what is the deal with this and how do they make money and can they make a career and all this stuff. And she's a lot more dialed into that than I am, so that's another reason why I wanted to have her on. And frankly, we got so into that stuff and into the next stuff, I didn't care about going over the episode. And you probably didn't either because we're early in the season. It just it didn't seem relevant to that conversation. I wanted to keep it going uh, with the Instagram stuff, the sponsorships, and then the Nick stuff. And then even bringing up Abby. And, you know, I'll repeat again, the Abby stuff is stuff that I did not know Abby until she contacted me that day. And if she wants to come on and use me and exaggerate, you know, there's nothing I can do. I wasn't bringing her on as a guest, like, you know, crack journalist reporter Abby Draper. I brought her on because I put an email out there and a tweet out there to anybody that wants to come on and have a back and forth, contact me. She did. I let her on and you can make your own judgments. Do you believe Dana or do you believe Abby? Simple as that. Uh, I do want to get to some of the tabloid stuff that started today first or started yesterday. Excuse me. First, the whipped cream bikini. Now, I got like three emails on this, and I'm trying to figure out how people can misquote stuff that is sitting directly on my site. But let's go over this once again for those that seem to be confused on when stuff happened, okay? We ended the last episode, which was episode two, with the third date of the episode, which was the group date, Museum of Broken Relationships, Nick Let's Liz Go. So he still needs to come back, talk to the five remaining girls on that group date. Then they're going to have a cocktail party that night or the the next day they have a cocktail party and a rose ceremony. That's when the Corinne stuff happens. I have like three emails today of people saying, Steve, you say that the Corinne stuff happened at the pool party, but you say on your spoilers that it happens next episode. So I know it gets confusing, but here's the deal. Episode two which aired this past Monday, bleeds into episode three. So episode two hasn't ended until that rose ceremony is over. So at the beginning of episode three, which is this upcoming Monday, we still need to see the end of episode two, which means Nick going back to the five girls on the group date after eliminating Liz. He's going to tell them that he had sex with Liz. He had a past with her. And then I'm sure they're going to go back and tell some of the other girls. And then we're going to get to the cocktail party and the rose ceremony of episode two. And that is where, at that cocktail party, Corinne pulls the whipped cream bikini stunt, and apparently Nick does lick it, and girls are made aware of this, but then she kind of freaks out about it and doesn't and gets upset, something along those lines, but she does miss episode two's rose ceremony. She's not part of it. She's not there because she was crying and then basically drinking and pouting and passed out, whatever the case may be, she's not at it. But it happens at the beginning of episode three. When episode three officially begins is when that rose ceremony ends. And then in episode three, we have the Backstreet Boys group date, which seven girls go on. We have Vanessa's one-on-one. Then we have the 
track and field group date, and then episode three, there is no cocktail party before the rose ceremony. It's the pool party. And that's where we see in the previews Corinne straddling Nick on the bounce house and stuff like that. So just wanted to make that clear. The whipped cream bikini will happen at the beginning of Monday's episode because it's the end of episode two. It happens at episode two's cocktail party, not at the pool party, which is in replace of the cocktail party in episode three. I hope that made sense. It makes clear sense to me. It's written right there in the spoilers that if Episode two ended like a normal episode where you have group date, one-on-one, group date, cocktail party, rose ceremony, end of episode. Corinne's whipped cream bikini would have happened this past Monday. That's probably the easiest way to look at it. And it's written like that in the spoilers. I'm not sure why people got confused over that. Secondly, let's get to this stupid life and style stuff. Like, I really can't stand the tabloids when they do this. This life and style report that Nick reportedly got somebody pregnant from the show, but it's not his winner. And that person, the winner doesn't even know yet. And Nick and one of the girls thinks she's pregnant. It's like, does life and style realize that pregnancy means in nine months from now, someone's going to have to produce a baby. So in nine months from now, when none of these girls are pregnant and none of these girls produce a baby life and style story that is hitting the newsstands today is irrelevant. It doesn't happen. I guess it does. <laughs> I guess they've done this all the time through the years because Jennifer Aniston has been pregnant 1,700 times and has still never had a baby come out of her. I guess it's the same thing. But I guess they figure in nine months from now, nobody's going to remember that nine months previous they wrote a story that Nick impregnated one of his girls and it happened to be someone that he didn't choose. It's just so stupid. It's so ridiculous. I'm not going to feed into any of this stuff. It's embarrassing, to be honest with you. But... I figured I would bring it up and talk about it just a little bit since those were the two big things that hit the tabloids today. One, Corinne's whipped cream bikini, and two, Nick impregnating somebody that's not the winner. That's a flat-out lie. The whipped cream bikini we will see at the beginning of episode two. Okay, well, we are going to have our first Dr. Reality Steve interactive phone call with one of our listeners. Her name is Meredith. She is from Massachusetts. Meredith, we got you. You're on the line, correct? I'm right here. So you had contacted me, and you didn't have a problem with sharing your story. You gave me a little bit of it, but um, I purposely didn't want to know all the details of your story because I wanted to just kind of have a back and forth about everything. So just tell me the sitch. Sorry, that sounded like an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> so what's your, what's your situation? All right. So, uh, like I said, I'm Meredith. Um, I am a bisexual woman, but I have not come out to any of my family other than my mother. I come from a very conservative background, and my grandmother actually had a heart attack when she saw my cousin's tattoo. So coming out to them seems like it might literally kill them. (laughs) Um, Not a great situation. So I'm in love with my best friend. Uh, She, Yeah, it's a she does not know this and I haven't wanted to tell her in case it ruins the friendship we have, which is so incredibly important to me. We talk every day. uh, We've gone on vacations together and I'm worried that if I tell her how I feel that might get lost to some degree. She also lives in Australia. I'm in Massachusetts. So dating is not the most feasible thing in the world. 
Okay. On top of that, um, there's this guy I've known since I was a toddler. He and I are extremely close friends, and all of our friends have been, you know, asking, why aren't you two dating? Why don't you two get together? Um, we've actually tried dating in the past, but he didn't know I was bisexual, and I'm also in love with someone else, so it never really worked out. I don't think I was able to fully commit to the relationship, and I've also known him so long he almost seems like more of a brother than, you know, a, a physical partner. Does he know you're bisexual now? He does not. Oh, okay. um, I've been careful with who I come out to just because, like I said, I come from a very conservative family and it's a very messy situation with them. So I haven't told him, but one of the things I've thought is maybe I should, maybe I should just be honest with him and say, Hey, we can try, but I'm bisexual. I'm in love with a woman. <laughs> can you handle that? Okay, well, a lot of stuff to go over here in terms of. Well, I was taking some notes, so let me just back up here. Uh, you haven't come out to him. You no. come from a conservative family. The only person that knows is your mother. When did you come out to her? I came out to her uh, a couple years ago, so she's known for a while, and I do have some friends who know, but none that would tell this guy. Have you ever... Does he live in Massachusetts? Is he local? Yeah. Okay. He's in the same town. Okay. And when you say you tried dating in the past, what exactly does that mean with him? So he asked me out a couple years ago. I had known he, you know loved me for a while. And I thought, well, we're perfect on paper. Let's try it. So we went out a couple times, uh, probably three or four. And it was fun. But the entire time, it just didn't feel quite right. I was wondering, you know, do I want to kiss him at the end of the night? Can I even handle that with someone who has felt so much like a brother? And it ended up our friendship didn't become awkward, but there's always been this now sort of cloud hanging over it where he still wants to go out. He's mentioned it again, and I just don't know what to do with that. So there's been no hookup at all with this guy? No physical activity? No. We drunkenly kissed once, but I don't think that counts. <laughs> okay. What about your best friend that you said lives in Australia, is this somebody that you met through a dating app that you hooked up that way? Or is this somebody that you've known for a while that happened to move to Australia? So we've known since we were in college. Um, she's been my best friend since then. And recently, well, not recently, about three years ago, she got a job in Australia and moved out there to work there. And she doesn't know that you're bi. She does, actually. We're both bi. Okay, um, oh, so she, okay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you guys are both bi, and you both know you're bi, and you've talked yes, about both was, being bi. Yeah, we actually, um, she was one of the people who really supported me coming out to my mother. She was going through the same thing with her family. And so, again, it was one of those aspects of our friendship I was really worried about losing because I can tell her anything, and she's always been there for me. Who came out first? Her to she her did. family or you did or you okay. So in, in the three years that she's been in Australia and you guys have both been friends, you talk a lot, you've said you took trips together. Yep. At any point during these trips, has there ever been a moment of 
talking between so, each other that it, it, uh, a hookup or anything? Um, there was a moment when we were in Paris, we had gone to see a burlesque show together and had two bottles of champagne between the two of us. So okay. we were pretty tipsy. And when we were back in the hotel room, we didn't hook up per se, but we fooled around. And then the next morning it was sort of like a ha ha that happened. And we've been able to keep going like as friends without it being awkward. We've joked that, you know, Oh, if we're not married by the time we're 40, you know, that sort of thing. When, when you say fooled around, what, it, what are we talking about here? Uh, you know, some casual groping, making out okay. that sort of thing. Okay, so it was. It has been established between you two that there is an attraction there. It's not like you guys are both by, you're both out, you both know each other are out, but there's zero chemistry there. Yeah, there's there's definitely chemistry. Okay, so what are you scared of? I guess it's. I mean, this sounds like it's right there for the taking. Now, to me, her being in Australia and you being in Massachusetts, and I don't know what her situation is if she plans on moving back anytime soon or you would move there for her. But regardless of the logistics of it, to me, this seems like this, this to me, this seems like this could work. Well, I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I've been like super depressed about it. Um, I guess what I'm afraid of is that maybe for her, it was just some sort of fun, drunk vacation hotel fun. And it didn't mean anything emotionally to her. And I'm worried that, if I say, hey, by the way, I've been in love with you for years, that, you know, our friendship will be changed. You know, maybe she'll feel like she can't talk to me as much. Maybe she won't want a vacation because she won't want to make it awkward for me. Or she'll maybe not talk to me about her personal life as much in case she starts dating someone else. Things like that. Hmm. I find it interesting that you say... I don't think you need to approach it with, I've been in love with you for so long. I think you can approach it as, what do you think about me and you together? Like, I don't think you need to throw that all on her, but you can say, like, look, we've been close. You know, we, we had our night together. I It was fun. But to me, ever since then, I kind of haven't stopped thinking about it. And I think that you and I could work. And, I, of course, I'm leaving the logistics out of it. We'll get to that in a second. But do you think that's something that you could say to her? Yeah, I actually, I've never thought about that because for me, I've always, you know, I've known all this, so it's always seemed like maybe it has to be this big thing, but that's actually a really good idea. Now, in terms of the logistics, is she yeah. ever moving back or is it, was this a temporary thing or would you ever go to Australia? Like what would, obviously it would have um, to have to happen. Somebody would have to move. Yes. That's the other thing. So she doesn't want to leave Australia. She loves it down there and her job you know, don't want to say what it is, but it's phenomenal. And she doesn't want to give that up. And I completely understand. Uh, as for me, I would move down there for her. Um, my job I can do remotely. So it's not like I need to be in Massachusetts to do it. So that would be a possibility if we tried this, I guess, long distance thing at first and things escalated to that point. Okay. Well, I, first off, first and foremost, I appreciate your openness, the fact that very few of your friends know and your mother knows. And in the very first Dr. Reality Steve phone call that we record, we have someone that 
maybe came out to people that didn't even know that you were out. If someone recognizes yeah, I might you, get your voice, some, I might get some interesting text. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with that said, so I appreciate you doing that. Um, very brave of you to do that. And I, my advice to you is, I think you need to pursue this. I, it, it, when, when I first heard the basics of it, I didn't think that this was something that could possibly work, but the more I hear about it and knowing that, because I think when you first contacted me, it was just, I'm bi and I like my best female friend, but I didn't know that she was the same and you guys have spent all this time together. And like, to me now, I don't think she would be freaked out by it because there was um, a hookup between you guys. You guys are close. You've traveled together. It almost seems like, I think this could absolutely work. It just, you need to take the initiative. I mean, maybe she could be sitting on the other end too and being like, gosh, I don't want to say anything in fear of ruining something. Yeah. But I think that if you say something to her, you know, it kind of goes back to a lot of the Dr. Reality Steve stuff that we get. Uh, A lot of it is, you know, what should I do and what should I say? And, you know, you're never going to get the answer if you don't ask. And, you know, you're going to miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, which is the ultimate cliche, but it is true. So you wouldn't know anything about how she feels about you until you say something. But I don't think that you need to lay it on her like I've been in love with you for all these years. Just say, look, I've had a great time and I haven't stopped thinking about it. And I think that you and I could work, but I don't, I care about you as a friend. I don't think that this is something that I want to ruin our relationship, but I am telling you this because it is important to me. And I would rather know and have you say no to me than go the rest of my life and never say anything and not know what you thought. Yeah, no, that those are all really good points. And this is honestly one reason I wanted to talk to you because you are so far removed from, you know, all these people. And I don't have, I haven't had family member. I can really talk to about it other than my mother. So having someone who's coming at it with a completely outside view who isn't connected that's actually helped a lot and definitely given me a lot to think about. Okay. Yeah. I, I would definitely keep me updated. Um, I don't think you need to do this tomorrow or whatever. Obviously this is a big, (laughs) this is a big deal for you and how you're going to present it. But yeah, I would just say go about it as haven't stopped thinking. When, how many years ago did that happen when you guys actually Uh, hooked up? Was that last August actually? So not too long ago, last August, meaning six, five months ago. Or the August yeah, book. Okay, 2016. so August 2016. So I think it's I think it's really good timing. I think you can easily say, like, we had our night, um, and I really think that you and I can be something, and I wanted to know what you thought about it. And if you're, this isn't something that you want to pursue, I totally understand. I'm still going to be your best friend, but I think this is there between us, and... And hopefully she'll be receptive. I mean, obviously I can't predict what she's going to say, but um, you won't know until you ask. And uh, I think if you throw it out there, she'll appreciate it and you're going to get your answer. And that's probably the scary part is the fear of rejection. That's my guess is why you haven't said anything up to this point. Yeah. I mean, who wants to hear that? (laughs) Yeah. And it's tough because it is, this isn't some girl that you met at a bar that you're wondering about whether I should uh, contact her again. I mean, this is your best friend. So it could could it make things awkward in the future? Sure. Because now if she isn't receptive to it, then it does possibly change the dynamic of, okay, when she starts getting involved with somebody, whether it be a guy or a girl, 
is she going to come to her best friend to talk about it, knowing that her best friend once liked her or feels the way you do about her. So that's where I think the decision is tough because if you get a no, this isn't a random hookup. This is your best friend. And I, I get it. And that's, but you have to weigh what's, what would you rather do? Would you rather know or would you rather not know and have her possibly end up in another relationship and ta- start talking to you about her new boyfriend or her new girlfriend, knowing you have this secret about her, that's how you feel yeah. about her. And that would probably kill you even more. Yep. It has in the past. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so is she currently seeing anybody? Do you know? Uh, no, not right now. Okay. Um, so. And and obviously the, the, the long distance thing is tough. So obviously that is something that would have to be talked about down the road, but you are open to moving. So it's something that doesn't need to be brought up right away. But first off, obviously you just got to get it out there. What does she think of the whole situation? And at that point, you know, take it from there. And I wish you the best of luck on that. Thank you very much. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. You've given me a lot of good things to think about. All right. Thanks, Meredith. I appreciate it. Thanks. You too. Have a great day. Well, that'll do it for podcast number seven. Thank you to the Possessionista, Dana Weiss. And thank you to Meredith for calling in and going over her situation in our first ever Dr. Reality Steve call. Like I said, I'd like to have one of those every week to talk about any issue that someone has. It's much easier to go back and forth on a phone call than sometimes it is to answer in an email. But anyway... Again, thank you to everyone who tuned in to this podcast. We will be back same time, same place next Thursday with podcast number eight, a special guest from the franchise. I believe it is going to be a former contestant, and this person is fairly relevant. We're on more than one season, and uh, hopefully they will be able to join us next week. I will keep you updated on that. So... Signing off saying, enjoy Monday's episode, which will be episode number three, even though in the beginning of the episode, we are getting the ending of episode number two. You'll have your recap on Tuesday, your reader emails on Wednesday, and then back next Thursday with Dr. Reality Steve emails and podcast number eight. So again... Reality Steve signing off saying thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you next week. See ya.